lane, 15-10, touchdown Chargers! Well, the good vibes continue. Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith, who I think has been on the road calling hoops. Yeah, it just got, uh, it's been a busy week. Was out at uh, MSG, got a sweet little garden run in me, uh, St. John's versus UConn nice. on Saturday, and then a quick one up to uh, up to Maples, Stanford versus UCLA. A little bit less juice in the arena at Stanford, believe it or not, than there was in New York City for the Johnnies versus the number one team in the nation, UConn, but... Tip of the cap here in Southern California to our friend Mick Cronin. Love him. One of my favorite people in town, one of the best coaches in town. And just to acknowledge what he's doing, uh, I'm sure he's a coach that that Jim Harbaugh would absolutely love, uh, the toughness that he instills into his kids. And it's impressive. Um, I'll just – because I do think there's a correlation. I feel like I can actually speak a little bit at length to this. You know, he's he's got the eighth youngest team in the nation. And this is, you know, a team, I just saw a UConn squad that won the national championship last year and three of their most impactful players are all first-year transfers. One from ECU, Tristan Newton, uh, one from Rutgers, Cam Spencer, and one, uh, Hassan Diara from, shoot, where did he come from? I think, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, Mick has got kids from all over the world, not the country, the world, seven nations, Nigeria, Slovenia, Serbia, Turkey, France, Spain, 19-year-olds, 18-year-olds. And, you know, after struggling at the start of the year, they are absolutely kicking tail right now. They've won six of seven. And, you know, the correlation I see is, hey, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And with the amount of free agents the Chargers have and how much different this roster is going to look, the infusion of young talent, Maybe it starts a little bit slow, but when you have a coach like Jim Harbaugh who can develop talent, like McCronin can develop talent, that's, that's the most underrated asset of a coach, the ability to develop, to make kids better. And Mick's one of the best at it, and Jim Harbaugh is one of the best at it. You look at those, look at those kids at Michigan that he brought in and where they ended up after three years, after four years, and how many he's putting into the NFL, and I think that's – you know, it's just something that kind of hit me last night when I was watching that game is, is they knocked off Stanford up at Maples uh, to win their sixth and seventh. I'm like, man, these are kids playing against 22 and 23-year-olds. And these 19-year-olds in a, in a three-point game in the final three minutes on the road just busting tail and winning and closing out and making huge baskets and coming up with big defensive stops. And that's the developmental process that's so important to finding in a good coach. No doubt. We've talked so much about Jim's success, you know, specifically with quarterbacks and in Michigan and really every stop he's gone. But I'm sure we'll dig into this a little bit more money as the offseason goes on. It's just the, the player development side of it. And the guys who, you know, maybe need that extra year or two and, and some time to untap that full potential. Guys like Quentin Johnston and, and Zion, um, you know, former first-round picks, uh, former draft picks that maybe have been uh, a little late to develop. I feel like that those guys are going to show something this year and beyond with with Jim at the controls. And, you know, what a partner he has at Joe Ortiz, man. Like, like Jim knocked it out of the park last Thursday. I, I thought Joe did the same 
on, on Tuesday. And as, as I kind of like land, uh, survey the landscape of all the new coaches and just like the fit, right? The fit among right. general manager and head coach and how an organization's going to run, you know, is it going to run through the GM? Is it going to run through the head coach? Um, I, I just, I, I don't think that the Chargers could have secured a better fit with Joe and Jim, given Joe's background in Baltimore, going way beyond John Harbaugh, uh, just the, the the track record of success that that front office has had, um, really the the kind of the gold standard in the NFL. And then pairing him with the Jim Harbaugh, they know exactly who each other are. Uh, they, they know exactly the type of uh, identity uh, that they want to have as a football team. And uh, I just thought Joe was fantastic. And, and guess what? Joe's going to join us in about yeah. 10 minutes or so. Uh, and we'll go way beyond the presser, but just your initial thoughts on that. It's impressive. Presser, I'm with you, Chris. I, I think there's reason to be as excited uh, about the the Joe Ortiz hire as there is about the Jim Harbaugh hire. It's you, you got to have the best players. You know, we, we see coaches who can perhaps out scheme or out coach others. You know, when you think about the the Patriot teams and the draft cat, you know, the the draft profile of of their players and how often Bill Belichick got undrafted free agents to perform above their draft status for him on defense or Tom Brady in the sixth round, um, Kyle Shanahan on offense, what he's able to do with Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback all the way to the Super Bowl. Yes, there are those instances, but for the most part, you got to have the horses. You know, you've got to draft and develop well, spend your money wisely. That's something we really saw bite the Chargers, I think. Um, quite a bit in terms of J.C. Jackson not being a, a great fit. You know, the, the money that was spent in free agency where Austin Johnson, was he serviceable? Was he, was he, did he do what he was signed to do? Yeah, but did he do it at an above average level? Did he do it at an excelled, you know, an accelerant? And probably not. So I think it's, that's important, right, is, is you've got to be able to find players. And Baltimore has done it. Time and time again, and and Joe, I, I, one of the most impressive things about about Joe is, is, and I appreciate it, is is just the ability to connect with every single level of the front office. There, there is not a single, yeah, you know, 100%. that is gonna. There isn't a single person that's gonna feel left out. This is someone who started at a personnel assistant, you know, as an assistant to the personnel department, and from there just worked his way up, area, regional scout college director pro you know pro personnel director player personnel director just had to step a lot did not get to skip a rung and that goes a long way because you recognize how important each rung on that ladder is to get to the top so uh, that is exciting uh, about Joe and just look I, I don't think we're saying anything that people don't know or haven't heard you know Jim Harbaugh's he's he's aggressive he's confrontational he is going to tell you what he thinks and how it is because he believes that's the most effective way to get something done. Don't, don't pussyfoot around it. I'm going to tell you what's going on and what's wrong and how we got to fit. And some people don't, they're not comfortable in that environment. You know, maybe they just take offense to it or they get combative. And I think in, in the case of, of Joe, he knows, he knows what it looks like. He knows how competitive the Harbaugh's are and, and what they expect. And there's just, I've worked with people like that. I think we probably many of us, people listening, you, Chris, we've worked with people like that. And it's fine. You just understand, okay, that's that's how they operate. They don't mean anything. There's no ill will. There's no, they're not belittling you. They're just aggressive and they're a little more confrontational and and you're comfortable with that. 
the end goal is the same too, right? right. It's just, it, it comes down to wanting to win, right? right? So it, it doesn't matter the, the personality or, or the way in which you do it, just as long as you do it. And uh, Baltimore has had a formula of success in doing it. And, and Jim has obviously had the same. And it seems like those messages align very nicely uh, when you talk about Joe and Jim together. Um, it, one of the things that impressed me with Joe was just the, the, the him talking about like the family aspect to this, because that, that's a big deal. Like money, you and I both worked for the Lakers and uh, people have been there for 20, 25, 30 years. And I remember when I first got, I, I interviewed for the Lakers, it was like 2006. I was like in my mid twenties, I flew out from DC cross country. And I was expecting this like global brand headquarter corporation. And I, I come in, it's just, me and the guy who hired me and it's just like man this is just like a family this is like this is the the total opposite of what you would expect from like a, a global brand yeah. but I, I just i think that that matters like culture and family and and guys who uh uh can can set a nice path forward and to your point about joe he's done every job in the book so he knows what the scouts are going through. I think he even mentioned just like, Hey, I, I empathize with those guys when they're on the road. I want to make sure that they know that we appreciate what they're doing. Um, I, I, when, when you have that sort of culture where everybody's rowing in the same direction. And I thought you just brought up maybe the best point about Joe is he's done everything and he's done it at the preeminent place. And I think that matters. Sure. And, and you know, football's interesting because it is different than a lot of other sports. There are very few, you know, business sort of business-backed conglomerates that own football teams. For the most part, this is this is generational. You know, these things do not yep. move. They, they get passed down from generation to generation. You know, there are names like the Roonies, the Hallises, which have become the McCaskies, the Maras. You know, now in Dallas, it's going to be the Joneses. You know, that there's there's very few, you know, the situation in Washington is rare. And you saw what happened when someone who was a titan of business came in and tried to do it a little bit differently. Now, granted, Daniel Snyder is, you know, this is just one of the worst owners in the history of professional sports in American history. But I, I think what you typically see is it is. You know, I, I think mom and pop lends to a negative connotation, so I don't want to say that, but no, it's not at all. You know, I think that the one thing about and, and, and look, I said it when they hired when they hired Harb, when they were going to hire Harbaugh and everybody was pushing back on, oh, they'll never spend that kind of money. I just said, I, I get it. I understand that that this is a family that has owned this team for generations, right from. Alex Spanos to Dean Spanos to John and AG, who are now, you know, all the way up at the top of the corporate structure underneath their dad. Dean, like, I get it. It's a long time. But since they've been here, I've tried to share with the people listening and watching. It's different. It is completely different the way this organization has operated since they have been in Los Angeles. And I don't when you are hearing about some of the financial investments that they have made in this hiring cycle, that that was the last part that I think, uh, you know, it's going to get out, you know, what, what they're spending on the front office too. That's, that's going to eventually make its way. And people are going to be like, damn, like they, they are sparing no expense for coaches, for assistant coaches, for strength and conditioning coordinators, 
for now the brand new facility that we've talked about. And there's a reason why Jim Harbaugh was like, Hey, Ed and I got to go shopping for some weight room equipment. Like nothing is being spared. The, you know, they, they had the Ferrari, you know, that's the players and that's spending money on player acquisitions, which everybody has to do because nobody's under the cap ever in the NFL. It's not like baseball. They're all spending right up to and past the cap. Um, They had the Ferrari. Now they got the driver in Jim Harbaugh and all this other stuff they're adding, the assistant coaches, the general manager, the the facility, the weight room, they're getting the, the pit crew now. Not now now they have one of the best pit crews in in all of in all of the game, in all of the sport. And there's a reason why I think, you know, both Jim Harbaugh and Joe Ortiz were so effusive in praise to the the Spanos is because they recognize, okay. We're in LA. We've got facilities. We've got the quarterback. And, you know, we've got the destination where free agents want to be. And we're being given everything we need to compete, to not just compete, but to win. And I think that's that's one of my takeaways from both of these pressers. These are two accomplished individuals that have done it at a high level, expect to win, would not leave their current situations to take a paycheck because of how competitive they are. I heard someone, I can't remember who it was, was talking about it. Uh, it's, you know, Harbaugh just wanted to get back to Southern California. That's not how that guy's wired. You kidding me? That is not how he is wired. (laughs) It is competition. It's championship. It's saying multiple championships because they're in Los Angeles is what's expected. And I think the same goes for Joe, you know, why would I leave the, you know, the, the, a Baltimore organization that never moves on from guys. They are the, it is, it's hard to get anything out of that building, let alone a person that's had success in the personnel department. There's a reason why he came and and wanted this job and 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 you know pursued it as aggressively as he did because of what they what they envisioned the future could look like the very immediate future could look like. They got two Herberts now too. They got Justin and they got Ben, and and they're both dogs. Yeah. You know, like the, that that just speaks to the what they've done around Jim and Joe. And you know, we'll get into some of the coaching hires, but like. You know, Ben Herbert, I, I, I'm fascinated to learn more about this guy, his process, what he's done from Wisconsin to Michigan. Um, Jesse Minter on board now as the D.C. It's, it sounds like Greg yeah. Roman going to be uh, controlling the offense. And, you know, Jim's putting together a, a, a staff that he's worked with before that has had proven success. And, and I, I think just also with with Justin Herbert in mind, too, uh, I the Greg Roman thing I think is fascinating because um, if you go throughout his history, he, he's run heavy, yeah, man. That's what he but does. But that's exactly what this Chargers team needs. You know, he's never had a quarterback quite like Justin Herbert to, to throw the ball down the field. So, like, you know, first and 10, second and 10, you could take shots because you know you got a punishing running game. Like, that's another layer to this offseason money that I'm sure we'll dive into once things start to take shape. We get into free agency in the draft and just scheme. But, uh, but I, I think Chargers fans should be excited about the staff that Jim's put No doubt. And, and I think, you know, we've talked about it. We talked about, you know, Jesse Minner and and what he's done. And, and that's the direct tie to Mike McDonald. There's a reason why Seattle wanted Mike McDonald. Now, look, he's young. It's a little dangerous to – I don't think they hired Mike McDonald for his scheme by any chance. Everything we heard about him is what an incredible individual, leader, a man that he is. But it's also the defense. It's, it is the direction – that this league is going in the post Vic Fangio era now, you know, and and that's the funny thing about this um, is you you have like, you have these cycles, 
You know, I think about Dom Capers in the zone blitz, and you think about Wade Phillips in the 3-4, and, you, th- you know, you think about Tony J- Dungy in the Tampa 2. Like, these things come, and then Pete Carroll, you know, and, and yeah. cover three in the single high. And, like, these things rotate, and offenses figure it out, and then defenses have to adjust. And, and it's just it's, – it's a back and forth, and it's happened throughout the course of football since the freaking wing tee. But, like, the thing about this particular era – of of defense and what Jesse Minner and what Mike McDonald are doing is people are trying to crack the code and Brian Flores does quite a bit of it and it's actually very similar to kind of what Bill Belichick was doing in in you know in, in New England the amoeba defense where you've got seven guys on the line of scrimmage you have no idea where the pressure is coming from it's simulated pressures who's dropping out who's coming but you saw you know, I think you saw against Baltimore how much team struggled, and you saw Michael Penix Jr. have his worst game as a Husky against that Michigan defense just because they don't know. When, when the quarterback doesn't know what he's looking at, can't process. And that's something that we yeah. saw, and that's why a lot of people are excited, you know, about, about Jesse Minner coming on the defensive side of the ball and about what Jim Harbaugh is going to do on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Your, the, the ability to adapt in the NFL and, and evolve is, is so paramount. And I, I was listening to some of Dan Quinn's press conference, and he, he admitted straight up, he said, I did a 360 on who I was as a head coach, what I needed to change. And he said, and frankly, you know, that Legion of Boom cover three defense, that was hot for yeah. a while, and then it wasn't. So I had to change, and he changed the defense in Dallas, and he had success doing it. So I, I think the ability to – be be self-aware of what's working what's not working and, and the ability to adapt especially in critical situations as you move forward season after season uh the thing that's hot one year ain't gonna be hot the next um but it seems like this this mike mcdonald michigan baltimore defense that's that's the next big thing and the fact that you have jesse minter at the controls who who was I think he was a secondaries coach for a couple of seasons in Baltimore too. Money, right? Twenty. Yeah, he was on the Baltimore like staff for a few years. Uh, he was the DC at Vandy, and, and then became the DC at Michigan. And and you know, for the last two years, he's had the best defense in the nation, and and that's a big reason why Michigan ended up winning a national championship and and went to the playoffs in back to back years. So you know, and beat Ohio State three years in a row. So it's, it's a huge reason why it's it's complimentary football, right? And, and that, is, that is something that we did not have here the last three years. There was zero complimentary football being played. If the offense played great and put up a ton of points, the defense gave up more. If the defense played great and held teams to a low number and the offense tried to run a four-minute offense, they couldn't. Couldn't run the ball. And that's why Greg Roman's coming in, because the anemic rush attack of this team that prevented it from winning games, particularly a playoff game in Jacksonville, when they could not run the game to maintain possession and a four-score lead. You know, that's that's why Greg Roman is coming in. Fix this. Let's fit and that's why Joe Ortiz is here. You know, fix it. Let's figure out how to get the right personnel, the right coaching, the right plays called, the right, you know, and and fix what has been a lack of complimentary football. And I think the reason why Ryan Ficken is staying is because that's just been the one constant the last two years, right? Special teams has been exceptional since Tom Telesco found Cameron Dicker to settle the kicking position, you know, and Ryan Ficken brought in J.K. Scott from his time in Minnesota when J.K. was with Green Bay, and he's the one that tipped him off to that. 
to the coverage units, um, to the return units, to the drafting, you know, of, of Davis, like they've got that settled. So it's like, okay, we're good here. Now let's fix these other two, you know, to, to complement this exceptional special teams in that third phase of, of the game. You see Jay Harbaugh going to Seattle yeah. to run the special teams there with Mike McDonald. I thought that was pretty cool as well. Yeah. So, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll bring in uh, the man of the week, Joe Ortiz. All right, guys, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, the official sideline technology provider and laptop of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers that provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field. Check out the powerful Surface Pro 9, combining the power of a laptop with the flexibility of a tablet at Surface.com. And as promised, the brand new GM of the LA Chargers, Joe Hortiz, joins us. And Joe, you got us fired up with your presser. Uh, my first question to you, man, I got to see your family there and to have everybody there for such a big moment for you and, and undoubtedly a big moment for them going cross country. What has this week been like for you? Oh yeah, it's been awesome. It's it's been a whirlwind for sure. You know, get the call on Monday. You know, get it kind of finalized on Monday night, and then packing up in Baltimore. You know, twenty six years of packing in an office. You you get a dumpster in. You realize you don't you're not taking everything with you. Um, so spent a couple of days packing up, saying goodbye to people in Baltimore, and then getting on the plane Wednesday and hitting the ground running Thursday morning. So. Kind of got going, and my wife was great. She's like, you know, we'll come out on Monday. Let you, I know you got to jump right in and work, and we'll come out Monday. And it was great to see them, and and for them to experience that moment was awesome. Um, really amazing. You know, we walked in. You know, the, we got the rain coming. Yeah, you know, um, you know the storms, yeah. the commute. You know, we, you're not sure who's going to show up. And Josh was sitting there downplaying it, you know, like, hey, you know, I, don't, I just don't know how many people are going to be there. We've had some people cancel. And then we walk in the room and most of the Chargers organizations in there, there's good attendance from the media. And it's like, whoa, you know, so my wife was just, you know, probably overwhelmed a little bit. She's like, I, I know I wasn't smiling when I walked in because I was so uh, in awe of everything that was there. But sent me a great text yesterday that uh, just she hadn't had a chance to process everything. And uh just the magnitude of it and sitting on the plane, flying home, you know, realizing what just took place and processing it and how impactful it was to her. And, you know, she said, I'm just so happy we're chargers. And, uh, that, you know, that just, you know, warms my heart and gets me wanted to hug her, but she's on a plane flying back to Baltimore. So, uh, you know, but it, it was great. The boys had an awesome time. Um, you know, got some jerseys, some pictures, some gear, they're in the players' locker room playing Xbox, you know, FIFA, and you know, so they just—they're really excited and a special moment for my family for sure. Love it. You know, I, I I get Joe that there's you know 32 of these, so each one of them is special. Uh, yeah. There's so few of them, and and anybody's fortunate enough to to get one of them, especially as long as you've worked to to get to the the, the top of this mountain in, in personnel. But when you heard the Chargers' job was open, what what kind of what's the first thing you know I'm not asking you to rank them in order hey this is what attracted me but what jumps out at you is why this is a great job for you well I I think when when it first opens up you know they have a quarterback like that you don't have to fix that problem you know they're that you know you are set there so um that's right away makes it attractive uh then you start doing your research you know on the team uh the ownership I know I knew John from the road 
So, and I've always had a great rapport and relationship with them out on the road. And it's just friendly. It's John and I aren't best friends. We're, you know, I, you know, we're just acquaintances that respect one another. Um, and so, but always had a great day with them when I was together with them. Uh, so those are the two things that popped in my head. And then obviously you start looking at what they're going to do, what, who they're targeting. And, you know, once they hire Jim, it, it kind of completes the full circle, you know, and I really meant it when I said it, like every scout, you know, we say great ownership, uh, great QB, great head coach. And, and I have friends that are general managers and they said, listen, you know, don't take a job where you don't believe in ownership. You know, it's not worth it. And now I'm like, well, it's not worth it to you because you're in a general manager role <laughs> yeah. again, Matt, like you said, there's only 32 of them, but having gone through the process a couple of times, you know, like you do see the difference, uh, of owners and there's a lot of great owners out there. And I had the opportunity to interview with some great owners in the past didn't didn't work out for me in terms of getting the jobs but you know to sit there with the spanos family and this organization when i came in and to feel it i knew it in the zoom like i, I told my wife i said this place is special i could feel it i could feel it in the zoom and couldn't wait to get an invite back out here to be in person and uh and it just carried over so that just kind of sealed the deal in the end but certainly the quarterback was the first thing that jumps out to you you know, Joe, we talk about all the the jobs and, and the way things are structured throughout the NFL and just the connection between you and Jim, the, the fact that John was in Baltimore and, you know, just the fact that you guys want to play football the same way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't get that connectivity between ownership, front office, head coach, and sometimes it's a delicate thing. Why was this so perfect for you? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, Jim and John – they're certainly different, but they think alike in terms of football. You know, they want to build a big, fast, physical, tough team. Um, that's what we've always been about in Baltimore. You know, prior to John, John just came and just tied it up, you know, and like it was like a tremendous leader and motivator and really inspired us as scouts um, to, to be, to go out there and get the best players we can get that really fit our scheme. Um, I think Jim is the same way. I mean, he's look at him. He's nothing but a winner, you know, and, uh, and, but they think the same way. So for me walking in here, the staff he's putting together, I'm aligned with them already. I've been raised in the same, you know, formula, you know, or the same, you know, organizational philosophy. So we're going to hit the ground running and try to find our type of players, you know. You know, there's people talk about coaches and scheme and, and, oh, this coach runs this particular type of scheme. This is how they want to play football. I think it often gets overlooked in front offices. Certain front offices draft a certain way. You know, they draft first rounders like you don't rarely see them stray from the lines. You know, mm -hmm. they're taking O linemen, they're taking D linemen in the first round. If they've got a quarterback, that's what they're doing. Is there something to that? Is, you know, just kind of, because I just think of the way that you built in Baltimore and, you know, drafting a center in the first round a couple of years ago, how important that position is. I guess that's kind of where my head's going, Joe. Just we got to see how important Corey Lindsley was yeah. to this team and what right. happened when he wasn't there. Nothing against Will Clapp at all. Did a great job filling sure. in. But Corey's special. Like, right. is there something to that from a front office? Hey, this is sort of a philosophy that we believe in and where we've got to build a team first before we can get success anywhere else. You know, I think there are I think there are different philosophies in terms of how to build a team. I think you can see that through the league, like you mentioned, Matt. Um, you know, in Baltimore, we believed in being strong up front on both sides of the ball. You know, you control the line of scrimmage, you control the tempo of the game, you win the time of possession. Um, our best teams in Baltimore always had strong offensive lines and offensive line depth and have been able to stop the run. 
are the years we've struggled in Baltimore, whether it be due to injuries or maybe we just didn't have as good a talent up front. You you notice the you know hey we're a little weak on the right side of the offensive line or we're, we're a little weak at center or left guard or we rarely have been weak at left tackle. We played with Jo for a long time and now we've had Ronnie and um, but you see it you know you see it affect you uh, as an offense. So that's one thing I believe in. Uh, I know Jim's always put together great offensive lines at all the places he's been. Um, but yeah, you you control the off. Nothing gets done without a great offensive line. You know if you're getting quarterback hit you can't throw it if you can't create lanes you can't run it you know so put together a strong offensive line and 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 build from there you know money and i a couple of weeks ago were just talking about different different pieces on this team that we know you know are going to be here from rashawn slater to tuli tui pelotu derwin james obviously you've seen these guys and you've scouted these guys um when i say the name rashawn slater or or tuli or derwin I mean, I feel like these are game-changing guys. How do you assess this roster, starting with some of those cornerstone pieces, Joe? Yeah, I think, you know, one, as we get the staff together, uh, they evaluate them from the coaching standpoint. Certainly, I've already evaluated this team. I actually advanced them last year, um, you know, when when Baltimore was getting ready to play them. And so, and then obviously prepping for this opportunity, you, you watch some film on them, you get to see the players again. Um, you know, Tule was a guy, obviously, is a rookie this year. Uh, fun player to watch in college, uh, was a big fan of his in college. And he kind of did what you thought he'd do in the pros. You know, does he have a home? I don't know, but he plays anywhere and he plays hard and, he play, and he's productive. So, um, yeah, you know, but that's what you want in, in defensive players, especially along the front. Like you want some versatility, guy that can set an edge, move inside, rush inside. You know, those are the types of players you really like to have. And then uh, with Rashawn, you know, you got a guy to protect, you know, Justin's blind side, you know, and consistently consistent producer performer out there on the left side and it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of fun to walk in and see some pieces like that you know again i talked about this team you a lot of gms walk into a place that needs need a lot of help this isn't one of those places derwin had a chance to meet him yesterday um spend some That's time fun. with him oh it was great it was great <laughs> just the energy in the room you know like me him and jim were just in there uh, tito was in there with us and we were just jesse was in there we we're just chopping it up and just the excitement, you know, that, you know, and you felt it like the presence with Jim and them and you, they were feeding off each other. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the players are, are the ones that have been around, you see them buying in right away. And, and I just can't wait to watch it, watch it come together out there on the field. I want to focus on a word you just said there, energy. And that is something you feel when you're in Derwin's presence. It's oh, special. It yeah. is. How, how important is that? Because, you know, I, I just kind of think about the, the teams in the Super Bowl right now, and I think about energy from Nick Bosa, energy from George Kittle. Right. You know, we see Patrick Mahomes, man. I don't know if there's a more positive energy, bringing energy to a team guy than, than him when you hear those mic'd ups. Just is that something that, that you can find before you draft, before you sign? And, and how important do you believe that that particular, you know, personality trait is to success for a team? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's huge. Like, we, as scouts, we go into into schools and we talk about that. And you you hear their sources and the coaches and the people they, that work with the players tell you, man, you know, he's an energy giver or you, people feed off of him, you know. And, the you know, you don't have to be articulate and verbose and to be a motivator. You know, you can just get out there and lead and just have the spirit and, and passion and love of the game and – players feed off of that and feel it. And, uh, and then 
in reverse, you know, an opposite, you can have, you can be an, we call it an energy vampire, you know, yeah. someone just <laughs> yeah, steals it out of the room. And, uh, you know, we don't want those, you know, we want, we want players that are passionate and it bleeds, it bleeds through their pores and, and, and you feel it. Joe, the fact that you've done every job in the NFL and you were with one organization for such a long time, uh, I, I know you spoke to this on, on Tuesday, but just the perspective you have from being a scout to just everybody in that organization, like you've done that job or you know of that job very well. How right. is that going to serve you in this new role, uh, knowing that you've been in other people's shoes and you can empathize with some of the challenges they may have or, or some of the things that they need to do in their role? Well, yeah. So I, I think that's how exactly how it does help me. Like, as you just stated, I can tell a, a, a scout, a personnel assistant, Hey, this might be a better way. You know, I, I know you're doing it this way. I've done this. This is how I've done it. This is how I would do it. You know, same with scouts. I understand the challenge of scouting. You, you know, you, you leave your house August 1st, or I really, in the end of July, you go to training camp for a couple of weeks and then you get out on the road. You maybe come home for two days and you're on the road for 21 and you're back home after two days. And then it becomes a two week cycle where you're away. You're away from your wife, your kids, if you have a family. And uh, if you're single, it's just you're out on the road grinding and you just never get back home. And uh, so it's a grind. You got you're working till midnight. Um, so, you know, I can help them because I've been in their shoes and uh, directors of college scouting. You know, I've worked alongside directors of pro, uh, watched how they've done things. You know, so every having been able to go through all those roles and really, you know, learning and being complete in that role before I took the next step. You know, I didn't rush through anything. Always tried to absorb from Eric and Ozzy along the way. And Eric was a great mentor for me, uh, as as was Ozzy. And so, you know, George Kokinas is a great friend of mine and mentor. We've kind of worked side by side for the past six years. But along the way, we've always, he's always been like a just a big brother to me. And, and you know, so you try to give that back. And uh, I've always tried to do that with our scouts. And I'll continue to do it in my current role. Uh, I'm going to focus on that one name, Ozzy, uh, yeah. just because I don't know if there ever was or ever will be uh, someone better to to do it. Just the consistency, uh, the rare misses, you know, maybe it's not home runs, but man, there's a lot of and there were home runs, obviously, sure. but there's uh, just every everything's a double. There's no strikeouts. Double off the wall is good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we would always say, you know, as someone that, that covered the draft for uh, all those years um, at NFL Network. We would always say, as we're in the midst of the draft, how did that guy fall to Baltimore? How yeah. did they? How did they? And and it's not because they fell to you. It's because the the Ravens manipulate the board unlike any other team. It was just a constant. Oh wait, they're going back. No, now they're back up. Now they're yeah. back. And it wasn't just the first round. It was every round. So I'm sure you know that's something that Oz, Ozzy you know imparted on all you guys. And why doesn't everybody do it? How hard is it to do it to try to make sure that you kind of get that balance of not just always moving back, but just kind of, you know, manipulating the board where it seems to always work out for the Ravens? Yeah, I think, you know, it's like going back. I mean, you got to have a trade partner, right? But right. you got to be willing to. And uh, and I, and you got to be prepared to go back. I think that's probably and, – and, again, I've only been in one war room, Matt. Um right. So with Ozzy and it was first, it was Phil and now, you know, for, right. for, with Eric for really 20 plus years, 20 years. Um, but you know, the preparation, the, that goes into it, 
to be ready on draft day. The, the answers are already made on draft day. Um, the game plan, the strategies, I think that you're prepared for every scenario. You, you, you don't, you don't just sit there waiting to pick at five, 10, 15, 32. It doesn't matter. And just say, I'm just going to wait to pick. You got to be ready to say, Hey, if, if what, where's the cutoff where we would go up and trade for a player. If these eight players fall, we're sitting at 32 and these eight players fall, where would we go? How high would we, are we willing to go up to get them? You know, and, um, in the same token, if you're going to trade back, you know, okay, we're, which players are, will we not trade away from, you know, th these are locks to be chargers. If they're there, if they're not there, this is, if these players are there, we trade away from them, you know, and, and how far back do you want to go? You have to have a plan. And, uh, I think Ozzy and Eric have done a masterful job of that. And I got to sit there and watch it and learn and, and I'll do hopefully be able to, to be equally as good as them, but you know, they set the bar very, very high. You know, hey, uh, Chris, I'm going to just jump in again, just because I think, you know, the draft has become such, it's it's so important to fans. It's crazy how popular yeah. it's become is, you know, I remember the first time we did the combine, we did a live stream uh, on NFL.com and it ended up being the most watched event in NFL.com history. We had like 70 countries watching the combine at the same time. Uh, and like 1.6 million people were tuned into that particular stream as you know, it was me and Bucky and Maurice Jones, Drew and Ike, and we're all just sitting there at the end of the 40 yard dash line. I kept saying, what are these people watching? What are they, yeah. why would they be interested in this? But they are. And, and I would love for you to explain something that you brought up in the presser and that's comp picks and yeah. why they're so expensive. Cause I don't think people listening and watching quite understand exactly how that formula works, why it's so important and why it became a big part of the lifeblood of the success of the Ravens. Yeah. Um, so like with the comp picks, it's really just managing your roster and, and knowing who is going to generate a comp pick. I think we did a great job with that valuation expectations. And there's times like, uh, you know, we go into free agency. We want to keep players in, in LA here. We want to keep the chargers, the chargers when we can, but there's going to come a point with the salary cap, you're going to lose some players and you know that. And it's, it's managing the signings versus the losses in free agency. And, and they put them in buckets in terms of, you know, what they signed for. So you just kind of, you got to know, okay, if we sign this player, he's going to cancel out him, you know, and the, in the tier, you know, so um, definitely one of those things, once you create that cycle of comp picks, once you start getting them, you all of a sudden you get three comp picks on top of your seven draft picks. That's ten players that you potentially could ride through for four years. Well, there some of them aren't going to be back. You know, you just you you're going to pay the great ones and and the, the very good ones, and you you may lose some very good ones because you just can't afford them all. So you hit on picks, you get more chances, and then they, it just replenishes itself every every four years, so to speak. But it really becomes yeah. an every year replenishment. Yeah, I think one of the things you said Tuesday, Joe, that, that fired up the fans was just every pick matters in the draft. And obviously the 100%. Chargers, I don't think when we when we started the season, we we envisioned the Chargers picking number five overall in this draft. But just focusing on that picture for a second, because obviously there's some quarterbacks at the top and there's going to be some teams that want a quarterback. Um, five just becomes that much more attractive in terms of getting a blue chip player or, or the possibilities that come with it. You know, I think you spoke to it's it's very rare to have a, a top five pick, um, especially coming from the Ravens organization. Um, just yeah. how unique is this draft going to be for you, being that it's your first one and you start pretty early? 
Yeah, yeah. I definitely we won't be sitting around waiting very long. That's for sure. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know. Now we've done it one time in Baltimore. We had the fifth pick, uh, and we, we've had it twice actually. Um, I think it was my second draft, two thousand draft. We actually had the fifth pick, and then we got the tenth pick as well, or we had the tenth pick and got the fifth pick. But um, yeah, you definitely don't wait as long, but you want to get it right. You got to nail it uh, if you if you use it, and then if not, if the phone rings and you have an opportunity to move back, you know, you you weigh the offers, but. Certainly a lot of excitement, uh, knowing that we get, we're going to have an opportunity to get a really special player here uh, if we pick at five. And if we don't, we, we'll get some more players, you know. So, again, that's the whole the whole plan. You know, who are the guys we take, we're taking? Are we willing to walk away from a player? We'll see how the quarterbacks come off the board. Uh, certainly think there's three or four that could go really early in this draft. So, um, you know, we'll see uh, we'll see how that all happens. But got plenty of time for that. You know, a lot of – it, we're not going to have to wait long once the draft click, uh, kicks off, but we got a little bit of time. Before, you know, we don't want to get too excited too early. You know, you got <laughs> no to doubt. Pace, you know, build yourself to that. Right. that you know, hey, as far moment. as we're concerned, there's uh, there's five quarterbacks in the draft, yeah. and all you teams that don't have one, you're going to want to come up and get there, it. And you're going to want to pay. It is. I tell you what, Matt, it's a good quarterback year. You know, I mean, yeah, the teams exactly. that need quarterbacks, it's a good quarterback year. That's for sure. You know, yeah. The um, uh, you know, you you talked about the the staff and and how that was priority one, right? Make sure you kind of get this the, the coaching staff settled. Um, how much changes because you, you oversee all of it, you know, for the draft and we got a long way to go. Obviously the combine hasn't even shown up yet. The time we're doing this, but you know, the, the games are completed. You've got all your film, like how much work have you, I assume it's a considerable amount. Have you already done? And does it change because you're at a new place? Like the way you evaluate or value these players with these coaches, with the pieces you already have, does that change at all? Or is the evaluation, the evaluation, no matter where you are? Yeah, the, the evaluations, the evaluation, no matter where you are now, the staff you have and what they want to play for them, uh, the types of linebackers, D linemen you want, types of corners you want, that can change. Offensive line, wide receivers, all that can change when you go to new staffs and, and, and bring in new staffs. I, I've experienced it in Baltimore. We've had different uh, coaches and, and coordinators that have come in that may have wanted to shift the type of player we have, and you just adjust, you know, and um, I remember one year we went from we were a gap, you know, power run game, gap scheme. And in I think it was in February or March, we made a decision to go to a wide zone running scheme. And it's like, OK, you know, that's <laughs> so we've already had our February meetings, you know, it was, it was scouts. And it's like, all right, guys, you know, that that big guard that can roll off the ball and, and, and maul three technique, he might not be the guy that we want here in Baltimore anymore. So, yeah, you certainly you have to adjust. Um, but you got to know what plays in each scheme. I think the coaches, you know, conveying that to us, communicating it to us helps us evaluate the players that, that fit what they want to do. Joe, final one for me. You come from a brutal division where you really, I think at one point, all four teams could have made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the AFC West has been tough, but it's always gone through Kansas City. Yeah. Um, and when you have a quarterback, you got a chance. And obviously the, the, the quarterback here you always have a chance. How would you sure. assess this AFC West starting with Kansas City? And you got Sean Payton in the division, the Raiders making moves. Um, yeah. It's a very interesting four teams here. Yeah. Well, I think with any division, all right, any division we've seen, it. Now, certainly Kansas City, they're, they're the standard right now, and they're consistent winners. And that's what, that's what every organization should be, you know, aspiring to be, a team that consistently competes to win championships. And that's what we're going to do here. And uh, – and but they do it, you know, excellent evaluation, excellent scouting. I know a lot of their scouts. Um, they're all in in sync with one another, and that's what we want to build here. 
when you watch divisions, when you watch teams, they Sean Payton certainly has a track great track record of success, and you see the improvement Oakland's made as well over the past couple of years with in terms of adding players and the, everyone's striving to get better. And a division can turn just like that. And you I, you look across the league, heck, I think the uh, NFC East it was no one won the division. This there was no repeat winner for I don't know how long it was, but it was long like twelve time. years or ten years. Yeah, and you get a lot of. Lo- worst to first team so um that can happen in an instant and you know it can be done with players it can be done with new schemes it can be done with a new mentality a bunch of different ways so i know we're going to focus here with the chargers on being the best we can be all right and we're going to try to get better every single day but we want our players trying to get better every day we want our scouts trying to get better every day and we want to try to improve this roster every single day and we're going to keep doing that, and hopefully one day we're we're at the top, you know, and and that's our goal, and and we're going to work hard to get there as fast as we can, but we know we know we got great teams we're going up against twice a year that are that are in the way for sure. Hey, uh, almost certainties, right? In yeah. the NFL, every year four new teams go in, four teams fall out of the playoffs, and every year a division sees a team go worst to first. Yeah. Uh, why not happens, the Chargers? You know, it's crazy it's every just, year. I'll finish. I'll finish with this, Joe. Um, I get. I have the great pleasure to do the games with Daniel Jeremiah, one of my absolute favorite people uh, in the world. You had a chance to work with him, with Phil. You mentioned Phil Savage. I uh, kind of brought you guys in. I don't know if I'm saying, like, give me a story. If you can just share, you know, what what your experience was like with a very young, just cutting his teeth, the both of you, uh, yeah. Daniel Jeremiah, way back in the day with the Ravens. We oh, need a good man, one, Joe. We need so a good DJ story. <laughs> I, well, I, you know, I don't have any, like, you know, one, I'll never say anything negative about DJ. So it's always going to be positives with DJ. Sure. Um, one, you know, I don't know how, if you guys know how good of an athlete he is, but oh, yeah. he, I mean, he is, I never played, I'm not a hooper. All right. I, I can't shoot to save my life, but I go down there and watch him play hoops and all that. But we got, we, all of us scouts during training camp, you just, you find something to compete with. Right. And we would play walk football okay it, it turned it, it went from walk football into running football but we started by playing walk football and so i'm having to cover daniel and daniel's like speed walking and i'm like i'm almost having to jog to keep up with him but he's so he's taller than me and longer than me so even if i'm on his hip he's just catching moss in me this that so then we say you know i'm like forget this walk stuff let's just run you know and so Again, I'm like the fastest guy on my team, and I have to cover Daniel. And oh. I'm like, this is not working, man. Can we double cover him? Can we put his? Can I get some safety help over the top? Right. You know, I mean, he's absolutely torching me. Give me some help. You know, I can't do it. You know, right? You know, so I try. I kept trying and trying and trying. I just couldn't keep up with him. So, uh, but just a great, great person, a great friend. Um, love talking players with them. Although I might have to tighten that up a little bit, you know. But no, yeah. just, just we we. Uh, we always have had a great time together and um, he loves what he does and evaluating players. I love what I do at evaluating players and scouting and, um, but just a special person. Glad I'm glad he's around. I was really fired up. He showed up at the press conference, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, he's given me some good advice through the, uh, the uh, interview process that maybe I'll tell you guys some other time, but uh, you know, it was, it, it was, it was, it's been great to have him in my corner here and to see him the other day was just awesome. Special moment. Well, if you uh, don't know how good of an athlete DJ is, just ask him. He'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate uh, it, Joe. <laughs> Joe, this has been a, this has been amazing, man. It's just the the energy over the last week from from Jim's presser to yours, and just 
to see how how fired up the city is uh, to see what you guys do this offseason beyond has been very very cool and refreshing and uh we're just so happy you're in los angeles and appreciate your time man yeah man i appreciate it you know the work is hard but the game is fun right you know so exactly have fun you know let's keep the energy up and, and that's what we're going to do here you know we're going to have fun competing and work hard so money it's just like talking to an old buddy he's just a great dude and i'm so glad he's part of the chargers no doubt. Look, I think that's it's a big part of it, you know, and I think he's he talked about that in his presser and it's communication. You know, you can clearly see first time we've ever talked to him on the pod, the communication skills, the the comfortability, the the familiarity that you feel like you have with him, even though you just met him. So that goes a long way in in making, you know, you you, you asked it straight out the, you know, the, the first question about his family. And he, you know, pointed to this is a family. That's that's just way that you spend so much time together when you work for a f- professional football team that you start to feel like, well, I'm closer to these people some degree than I am my family because I see them more. I'm with them more. I'm on the road with them. I'm, you know, at the office from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. every single day. So that's an important part of it, you know, to to wanting as a scout to be on the road for 21 days to to help this guy do his job as general manager. And you know, certainly it appears though he's going to set a very, you know, a, a great tone for those guys to know they're appreciated and to to want to work harder um, to to deliver for this regime and and for this team to be as great as as we think they can be. Well, hopefully we'll catch up with Joe in a few weeks at the combine. Uh, we're going to have a, a great week in Indy. Um, more than one episode of Chargers Weekly, I promise. We'll we'll, we'll talk to a lot of folks there in oh, a yeah. couple of weeks and. I'm sure next week, Money, we can really dig into the coaching staff. I'm sure at that point next Thursday, we'll have a a list of all the coaches and responsibilities, and we can uh, dive in a little bit more. No doubt. Looking forward to it. Cool. All right, guys. For Money, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. We'll see you next week. 